lift that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you dwell in you now if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in
You have heard of fearless David and his sling. You have heard the story told of dreaming Joseph and of Jonah and the well you often see. There are many, many others through the Bible. Amen. I should like to meet them all I do declare. By and by the Lord will surely let us meet them at that meeting in the air. You know there's going to be a meeting in the air in that sweet, sweet by and by. I am going. beyond the skies Oh, such singing you will hear Never heard my mortal ear Will be glorious I do declare And God's own Son He'll be the leading one at that meeting in the air Now many things will there be missing at that meeting Mourners bench will have no place at all. There will never be a sermon preached to sinners, for the sinner has refused to heed the call. Now there will be no mourning over wayward loved ones, and there will be no lonely nights of bleeding prayer. All our burdens and our that meeting in the air. You know there's going to be a meeting in the air. In that sweet, sweet by and by. I am going to meet you, meet you over there in that hole far beyond. Beyond the sky Oh, such sing 
and sing it again. Amen. In the sweet, sweet by and by, I am going to meet you, meet you over there in that hole far beyond the skies. Oh, such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear. Have our brothers come for the offering tonight. meeting amen amen just welcome everyone back to the house of the lord this evening looking forward to god speaking to our hearts tonight certainly enjoy our brother matthew amen while he was here this weekend amen god is certainly good to us speaking to us you know just looking forward to what god has in store for us tonight yes. uh we have a praise report from sister jane she said ken and his wife said thanks for prayer he is home now with oxygen i had covid and pneumonia we worked together for years so just thankful they're just turning in a prayer report for that from sister jane amen and just thankful for that we remind everybody the one service this sunday coming up for easter and then we'll try to have the dinner for everybody have the easter dinner service afterwards there fellowship hall so just looking forward to that and uh keep the uh campers in prayer that's traveling to the youth camp amen uh, one day we're all headed to that youth camp meeting amen we all yeah. gonna be Amen. We ain't going to be left out because we're old people no more. Amen. So we're going to be young people just like them. So we're looking forward to that meeting. But just pray that God will just bless them and just fill many hearts with the Holy Spirit. Uh, just move on to youth there. God will just bless them. Also want to keep Brother Robert's mom, Sister Jean, in prayer. Let the Lord just touch, keep touching her body. She's doing something better. Uh, got to come home today, I believe. So let's keep her in prayer. The Lord just touch her. Uh, so she's wanting to try to go visit uh, some of the other kids there in, in uh, Utah, I think, or somewhere over in there, wherever they're at there. So just keep them in prayer. And maybe that she can be able to do that. Amen. You have a need on your heart tonight, uh, the uplifted hand. Amen. Have our brother Joel come up and take these for us tonight. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to come to your house tonight. And we just want to thank you, Lord, for all the good things you've done for us. And, Lord, the meetings we had this weekend, Lord, and we just pray, Lord, now that once again as we come together, that your anointing would just come and just fill this place tonight and fill every heart. And I pray now, Lord, that this offering that's taken up, everything that's, that's done tonight, Lord, I pray you would just be with it, be in it, Lord. And I pray you would just go with us now, Lord, throughout this service, Lord, and just anoint the speaker, anoint the hearers, and may we just, Lord, may we just receive something from you tonight, Lord. We come under expectation, and Lord, you've rolled the clouds away so we could have a service tonight, Lord, and we're here. We might as well have church, Lord, and we pray, Lord, that while we're here, Lord, that the blessings and the windows of heaven would open, Lord, and we would just receive a blessing from you now tonight. And Lord, the needs that have been read off, I pray, Lord, that that those needs would be met right here during this service, Lord. and You would just walk down the aisles and touch everyone here tonight. I pray you would just be with us now, Lord, in our, in our service now, Lord, the remainder of the songs, Lord, and the preaching as it goes forth. May it just be a blessing to us tonight. Be with us throughout the remainder of this service, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can be seated if you'd like. 
Amen. As they come by. Amen. Let's sing when we all get to heaven tonight. Amen. Looking forward to that day. We'll sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing of his mercy and his grace. In those mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing. Remind me, dear Lord, tonight. Amen. This song's been on my heart for a couple of weeks. And uh, just after hearing uh, my brother Matthew preach about the amnesia, just thought we'd try to sing it. Well, the thing that I love 
and hold dear to. Think about it now as you sing it. Think about these words. Are just small room. They're not mine at all. Jesus only lets me use them just to brighten my life. Amen. So remind me, oh my. Think about these words as you sing it tonight. Don't just let it be a song. Roll back the curtain, dear Lord. 
from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Give him one more hand tonight. Amen. Yes, Brother Alan can't sing the night for sing a special force.
And I remembered all those times When he reached out his hand Oh, and took a hold of mine When you're running out of
reading a quote today where Brother Brown was talking about that home and what it would be like. And only perfect love will enter there. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that place. And I'm so thankful for the perfect love and this Jesus that I have while I'm here. I feel that. And Brother Branham said it was just a shadow of a shadow of a shadow. But yet what we have here, what we can feel here is so glorious. How much more will it be when we get in those new bodies? We're able to go over there. Doesn't it just make you want to worship Him tonight? Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your presence here this evening. Lord, you've truly been there for us every moment of our lives. Even when we didn't recognize, even when we didn't know. Lord, you were already there. We thank you for that. Lord Jesus, I pray once again that you'd be with us tonight as you promised in your word. Lord, I recognize my own feebleness to be able to bring a message that would help someone. And I realize that every time we come to church, it's a, it's a situation where life and death hangs in the balance. Life comes by the word. Death comes by the world. Lord, and, but we thank you for giving us eternal life. We pray, God, that you'd move in each and every situation. Lord, that you'd move me out of the way and just speak in ways that I cannot. Lord, speak directly to every situation, every, every heart that's gathered here tonight. We'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And we thank you for your presence we feel already. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't you love him this evening? Yes. Isn't he good to us all the time? Yes. The song says, God is good all the time. Amen. Forgive me for being a baby. I, I like, man, you guys have it good. You get to sit out here and enjoy the, the worship and the music. And, and uh, sometimes I get caught up back there and doing something or studying. But I, I just like to get a few minutes of it every now and then. It's good to be in the presence of God. 1 Samuel 9, 17. 1 Samuel 9, 17 to 21. We're going to continue on our study of breaking the family curse. Pray for my kids. Pray for me and Brittany this weekend because my kids are going out of state without us, I think, for the first time that they've ever been away from us. And they're going to, uh, to Louisiana camp. I'm sure they'll be fine there. And some others they know are going and, and uh, different ones even from around here. But, but you be praying for them and uh, all for us and uh, doing without them. They do so much for us here at the church that I actually have to find people to fill their place when they're not here <laughs> on Sundays and especially. And so we're happy to have them. I may not appreciate my kids enough. I'm hard on my kids, but that's because I see so much potential in what they do. And what they do, they do things here with the video and things that I can't do. So uh, I'm grateful to have them. And and uh, it's such a privilege to be able to have baptized all of my children and, and led them to the Lord. And I believe the Lord will just continue to work in their lives and pray for a, a refilling of the Holy Ghost this weekend for them. And, and that they would have friends and, and, uh, and find themselves, uh, uh, make friends for life perhaps maybe to this weekend. Just not, not get married yet. It's not time for that. <laughs> friends is okay. That's how it starts. <laughs> You go to these meetings, you get in trouble, don't you, Gabe? When you know that. <laughs> we haven't even had time to have another meeting yet. Y'all are already married, so God bless you guys tonight. Good to see each and every one of you tonight. Doesn't it feel like family to come to church on a Wednesday night? Yeah. Good to have Joe back with us. He's got additions to his family. We're still praying for them. One day they'll realize their place, but until they do, 
Brother Andrew and Sister Candace, what a miracle that was for that baby to be born. 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 17, And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. I want you to notice there was a difference in God choosing for a position, knowing that's the man that would fill it and the people would want it, and God choosing a man for a position because he's the man for the job. See, God, he lets everything that happens, he lets happen. Right? Even our current president, our leadership, you know, kings, monarchs, whatever it is, God chooses that. Right? And, and even, uh, even Eve said, I got a man from the Lord when she had Cain. God allows it. He said, here's the man I told you about. But it wasn't God's choice. It was actually a rejection of God's choice. And so it says... Then Saul draw near to, drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Tell me, I pray thee, where the seer's house is. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. He said, Go up before me into the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, will tell thee all that is in thine heart. As for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. You talk about a prophet. He said, On whom is all the desire of Israel? Now watch how he changes it. He said, look, this is, you are the one that the people want. On whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite? Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, my family the least, all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? Pray the Lord would add his blessing to the word this evening. You may be seated. I miss Brother JT and Cleteth not being here tonight. I'm sure they're watching. It's good to have you with us online, but it'd be better to have you here. We'd be praying for Sister Cleteth. She's had some health difficulties as well. I've been uh, looking at genetic memory, and we talked about it, uh, Brother Jeremy and I, the other day, uh, just in passing. And there's been some studies done on that, that actually things that happen to you in your life you can pass the memory of that on to your children, and not just to your children, but actually to many, many generations on down the line. Because, and, and so it's not just the genes you were born with, but also the experience of your life. And it takes time to get over that. I was reading about an event that had taken place in West Plains many years ago in, in the 1920s. There was a a ballroom, I think that was a, a fire or a collapse or a building collapse or something that killed about 30 young people in the city of West Plains back in the 1920s. And when that happened, it caused a, a, a great uh, memory to be there for the generation that was there. But it wasn't just them. The people that talk about it today said it was them, it was their children, and it was their grandchildren that you couldn't bring up that, that situation for many, many generations because they'd been told about it, of course, but also because it, there was something about it that bothered them. I have a, a friend uh, who told me that he's always been scared of heights. He can't hardly even climb a ladder. And what had happened is his mother, or this is what they attributed to, that his mother, when he was pregnant, or when she was pregnant about to have the baby, she saw a man fall from a, 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 a skyscraper to his death, a window washer. And when she saw that, it actually imprinted and scared her so badly 
that her baby was always scared of heights. And so those things actually are real, and they've proven that with scientific studies. They've actually proven that in, in earthworms, actually, that, that the memory, the genetic memory of a traumatic event actually c carries down 14 generations in earthworms. They found in mice that it carries down in many generations as well. That if you scare them in a certain way or, or expose them to a certain smell, they'll always be scared of that down through generation after generation after generation. And they found that the uh, people who survived the Dutch famine of 1944 and 45 were found to have a glucose intolerance in adulthood. They found, and, and not only them, but their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. They found that uh, uh, there was survivors of the Holocaust or descendants of Holocaust survivors that have lower levels of the hormone cortisol, which helps your body bounce back after trauma because their parents had to use so much of that that it actually caused their descendants not to have nearly as much. Yeah. And so we find on the spiritual side as well, and we find it when it comes to the natural man, and I want to show you tonight what, uh, just at the beginning here before we move on, just what the blood of Christ does for us that actually cleanses us from all sin. And even the memory, we would call, we would call the genetic, or science would call the genetic memory of it, that yet those scars continue in your life, but the blood of Christ can so birth you in, in a new birth that you actually become a new creation so that your children don't have to carry some of the scars that have been carried on down through your family. Right. Now, the Bible tells us that an illegitimate child would actually not be able to come into the, the camp of the Lord, into the tabernacle of the Lord for 10 generations. That's 400 years. So it was a very serious thing to be born out of wedlock. 400 years. They couldn't even come in the presence of God. And so, Brother Branham, that's 40 years in a generation, 10 generations. And so you take someone's great, 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 great grandfather yeah. was an illegitimate child. But he's out of the picture. So is the child and the grandchild and the grandchild and the grandchild all the way down. Right. And, and Brother Branham even tells us that in, as far as in the natural, that hasn't changed. Right. Yeah. When it comes to the natural. But I'm so glad I'm born of a spiritual birth. Right? So Brother Branham said that's how bad that that was. He called it hybriding. He said it was in, he typed it to denominationalism, by the way. But he said that was a woman that let another man live with her in order to bring forth a child. And he said it was so evil before God that it took ten generations to breed it out again before God. But he makes this statement. He said, but that doesn't apply to this age. He said, you have a new birth now. Right. Glory. In the natural, he said, show me where it's changed. But in the spiritual, you have a new birth. Right. Are you with me now? Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? Yes. So that you don't have to pass on those traumas to your children. Listen, right. but, but we, you know, we should try. And I appreciate what Brother Jeremy said about that because he come out of the world. Some of you come out of the world. But you said, he was talking to me about counseling young people, I believe, at camp and telling them, you've got a greater testimony than I have. Keep your testimony. You young people, keep your testimony. Don't go out there and get those imprints on your genetic memory. Keep your testimony pure. But if you've done those things, if you've been there and done that and sowed those wild oats, remember, when you come to the blood of God, if you've really been born again, you don't pay for that anymore. 
Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus Christ today? Yes, sir. The cycle has been broken. Yes. Hey, man, it's something supernatural that, that transforms the natural. Oh, and that's why we need, listen, yeah. that's why we need to make sure that our goal is right, that our, our focus is right, that we can have an atmosphere here for these young people to be born in. Yes. And I've been talking to the song leaders and different ones about that. We want an atmosphere to be set. We want there to be a place here, not where we just come to church on a Wednesday night, but yeah. where if there was a seed about to come up, about to be quickened, that the Holy Spirit could quicken that seed on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Right. Yes, sir. We wouldn't have to wait for camp sometime to do it, but then we can have an atmosphere right here. Yes. Are you with me now? Because this is where births take place. This is the house of God, and we need people to be born again. Yes. We want to have less trouble. Let's be born again. Yes. You'll still have trouble, but not in the inside. The inside is sealed. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. So that... He said it doesn't apply to this age. He said we have this new birth now, which is spiritual. It breeds all that out. He talks about the new creature. And he says that, I didn't get you some of these quotes, but he said, oh, the same as you are a creature here. He said you are then a new creation, born heavenly. In God's new creation of a new man, new creation at the birth. But I got this quote. He said, but it has to be a birth just the same as the natural birth is necessary. The spiritual birth is just as necessary as the natural birth. Yes. He said a young couple might get married and say, our first little boy we're going to call John. He said if he's never born, John's never here. Boy, there's a deep mystery. You come on a Wednesday night and heard some deep mysteries of the Word of God. If he's never born, he's not here. Right. Yeah. Right? You can talk about him, you can hype him up, you can build a nursery, you can, you can name him, you can do whatever, but if he's never born... Yeah. He's not here. But once he's born, he's here. He's with us. He said the same thing. He said, you might, how many mythical ideas you build up about heaven, how great it is. If you're not born again, you'll not be there. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my. No matter how much we understand about the seals or the thunders or, or something yeah. coming down the road, if you're not born again, yeah. you won't be there. Right. Right. And we want to teach our children correctly and teach them right. But if they're not born again, they won't be there. No matter what they believe about it. Notice Romans 8.3. I love this. My favorite scripture in the Bible. Because I know how weak my flesh is. I know what my genetics are. But what the law could not do. Because it was weak. Brother Ron, good to have you and Sister Karina here with us tonight. Because it was weak in the flesh. The law couldn't do it because of me. Yeah. Because of you, right? Because of our forefathers. Yeah. Even Adam in the garden, he couldn't keep the law. Yeah. Right? He, what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Not that he was sinful, but in the likeness of sinful flesh. For sin condemned sin in the flesh. Yeah. It, this is what takes away this this. Uh, this gap that's there between you and God, this breach between you and God, this breach between a holy God and an unholy people, this is what takes it away. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The law could not do it. It was weak through the flesh, but God sent his own son. Amen. That's the story of the gospel. Now, if you look at Saul, now let's, let's turn our attention to Saul tonight for just a moment. If you look at King Saul in the Old Testament, 
Saul was an interesting man. And his genetic memories that he would have and also the family stories that would come down to him were of traumatic events that would have happened to the tribe of Benjamin. And particularly their failures because of the lack of a king in the land. And I want to get to that here. And, and so you go back to the book of Judges and there's a brutal story there. And I'm not going to read it. You can read it when you get home. I'm not going to read all of it. Just little excerpts from it. But they're just a brutal story. In fact, when you read it, you wonder if you're reading the Bible. It's just brutal. But that's how people are without a king. Right? Without the Holy Ghost. Come <laughs> on. That's, that's men. That's the way they are. Yeah, sure. Right? And if you found out everything that went on in Hardy, Arkansas last night or, or, or in one of these bigger cities in Jonesboro in Kansas City, there would be some horrific things. A lot of things you don't hear on the news that go on. I always wonder that. You hear about somebody that brutalized a child or, 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 or some kind of, a, some kind of a, a rapist or some kind of a murder, and you think how many went uncaught the same time. You realize most murders in big cities don't get solved. That's sad. That's just the way it is. We don't want to play around with that. That's, we want to be born again, don't we? Amen. Now, so Saul's genetic memories were of Benjamin's, the tribe of Benjamin's failures. And the story is that the Levite was traveling through Benjamite territory. He comes to the town of Gibeah, which was Saul's hometown. Now, this would have been a couple generations probably before Saul, maybe three or four. It doesn't tell us exactly when it happened, but it would have been close enough that people Saul knew probably were there. So it was a, uh, it was a uh, Levite that come traveling through, and when they did, the men of that city acted in a way like they did in Sodom. And they come, and uh, can you imagine that happening in the house, in, in, in what was supposed to be an Israelite city? And, but it was just lawless at the time. And so the man, instead of going himself, he sends out his concubine, and she's horrifically treated, and she dies from that assault. And, and there's, again, it's just brutal, but I'll just read this part. He says when he was coming to his house, so he takes the dead body of his concubine, takes her home, he took a knife and laid hold on his concubine, divided her together with her bones into 12 pieces, and sent her into all the coasts of Israel. And it was so that all that saw it said there was no such deed done nor seen from the day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt unto this day. And they said, consider of it, take advice, and speak your minds. So it was such a, a traumatic thing that when the children of Israel got that, when they received that, they said, we've got to do something about this. Yes. We're going to be judged by association. Yeah. Right? This was so embarrassing right. to them. And not just embarrassing, but it was alarming. Because they knew the word of God. They knew what happened to societies that acted like this. And they knew that they wouldn't get away with it. Egypt might get away with it. Rome might get away with it. All the other, the Assyrians might get away with it. But they wouldn't get away with it. And so there was a guilt by association. Listen, good men who do nothing are as guilty as the perpetrators in a situation like that. They had to do something. So, the, but you see that tribe of Benjamin, now, it, it was front, out of that tribe of Benjamin, probably just a few bad apples, probably not the whole tribe. But when, well, look at the response. When the tribes of Israel, in Judges twenty twelve, when the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, what wickedness is this that is done among you? 
Now therefore deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah. We may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities into Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. Listen to me, and I know this is very pastoral tonight. Forgive me for that. But it's got to be said, right? You know, don't ever become tribal. Where it's our church and we defend it just because it's our church. Right? Well, it was somebody in our church, so we got to defend it. No, it's got to be because it, whether it's with the word or not. Right? You don't just defend everything I say because I'm your pastor. Right? But does it match up with the word? Now, there are some things that you should give respect to, and there's some decisions I have to make that aren't written in the word. I just have to make a decision, and we should give respect to that office in that sense. But don't just, if it's something to do with the word, don't just believe it because I said it. Right. Yeah. Go to the word with it. Yeah. See whether it's right or not. Yeah. Amen. And so that's, they had a responsibility to that. But the children of Benjamin said, no, if it was Benjamites, we're not going to deal with it. Oh, my. Kind of like Republicans or Democrats today. If it's wrong, it's wrong. No matter who it is. No matter whether you like their policies or not. If they're wrong, they're wrong. Right? And so... Uh, they went out and, and there was a civil war. And Judges 20 tells us that they turned, and I read some of this last week, they turned and fled toward the wilderness, Rock of Rimmon. If you read the story, the Benjamites started to win. And then finally, uh, the Lord actually turned the tide in the favor of the Israelites, who were much more in number. But remember, Benjamin was a ravening wolf. They were warriors. And so this much smaller tribe almost beat all the men of Israel, all the other 11 tribes that were there against them. And so they, uh, but they, the situation turned around. It says they turned and fled toward the wilderness under the rock of Rimmon, and they gleaned of them in the highways 5,000 men and pursued hard after them and to get them and slew 2,000 men of them. So that all which fell that day of Benjamin were 25,000 men that drew the sword. All these were men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled to the wilderness under the rock Rimmon and abode in the rock Rimmon four months. And the men of Israel turned again upon the children of Benjamin and smote them with the edge of the sword as well the men of every city as the beast and all that came to hand. Also they set on fire all the cities that they came to. It was total war. Total war. I'm sweating so hard I'm steaming up my glasses. It's total war. And so you can imagine if this happened. Look what's happening now in Ukraine. What kind of a memory is that going to place towards Russia? On those children and grandchildren. You realize that the Second World War was fought because of the First World War. And the First World War was fought because of Napoleon's War. Right? And you can take it right back. And you can go all the way back even into Roman times. And find that every war is linked together. Because it actually is the memory of that war. When a people is subjugated, when they're treated harshly. They will stay for a certain time. And then eventually they're going to keep going back. And they're going, to, they're going to find a way to overcome. And so there are things that we don't understand that sometimes in this country. But there are, there are places like Pakistan and India where they've been fighting for hundreds of years. Yeah. Right? And they're never going to stop fighting. Because that's that memory. Even They can't even explain why they hate us. Or why they hate one another. But it's that genetic memory. And so they found out that's why we try... Uh, it, now they, they tell you you don't want collateral damage in a war 
because what you do is you just, you're just breeding generations of people that hate you. You might be able to put them under your thumb today, but what about tomorrow and the next generation and the next? So now that's what happened in Benjamin. They were destroyed. In chapter 21, you find that the men of Benjamin were reduced to kidnapping wives from other tribes because there was nobody left. That's a bad thing to have in your memory bank. Imagine how scarred the Benjamites must have been. Now Saul's father was named Kish. And Kish was a resident of Gabeah, but he had lifted himself up. He was a self-made man. He lifted himself up out of, this, out of this war and out of all these terrible things that had happened. And he had become a very wealthy man. That's what that means. He was a, a mighty man of power. He was a very wealthy man. And he lifted himself up. And, and now there was, uh, it says, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherah, the son of Aphiah, Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man. Now watch, a goodly, that means handsome. You're, he's a goodly young man, like these young men up here. He's handsome. Right? And there was none among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. So he was the most handsome man in Israel. He won all, he was on the cover of all the magazines. Right? If they'd have had it back then, uh, the, the, what is it, the people, uh, that magazine have it on their, on their cover or whatever it is, he'd be on the cover every year. They watched him grow up and said, this son of Kish, he's going to restore Benjamin back. He's going he's to bring him back. And he did. He did that. He, he brought back their credibility and all those things. And so, so he had a lot of burden, a lot of weight on his shoulders. He was, he was brought up to be better and to break that cycle and to be better than his forefathers. He was brought up in that way. And now he was, it said there was not a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher or taller than any of the people. Now, they were a nation of pretty short people, actually. At that time, the whole world was. But maybe if Saul was six foot two, he might have been head and shoulders above all the rest. He was a big man, a warrior. And so one day, Saul is going down, and, and he's looking for his father's donkeys, and and, and back then, that would have been a, a valuable animal that you'd send someone trusted to go and get. And so he, was, he ran across Samuel. And we'll read that again where we read our text. And Samuel answered Saul and said, I'm the seer. Go up before me into the high place. You shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let thee go, and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee? Oh, thy father's house, you're the, you're the most handsome man. You've been on the cover of the magazine three years in a row. Right? You're, you're the guy. When they, whenever they took a poll in that land, whatever kind of poll that it would be, it was Saul for king. Right? If there's going to be a king, it's Saul for king. Now watch. He says, and Saul answered and said, I'm not I a Benjamite. Now watch. He's carrying this mentality from what his tribe has been through. It does matter. I'm so glad for the new birth. But it does matter what we do and what we've been through. Because it will affect us. There are people who go through such traumatic things that they can't operate in certain ways. What you've been through will affect your marriage. 
What you've been through will affect your job. What you've been through will affect you in, in church. Some people have been through so much trauma that they actually can't sit and listen to a sermon in its proper context because everything is, is viewed through the lens of the trauma. Yeah, sure. Right, And so everything you're preaching, you're preaching at them. And I'm not condemning you if you're that way tonight because it's just the way it is. Right, But there's a blood of Christ that can call us away from that. Yeah. We've got to break that. That's an area that you've got to keep covered. Because that's something in your life that's really happened. You didn't make it up. It's something that really happened. And so it's, it's, it's sitting there. It's a wound. It's a sore. It's a scar. Yes, sure. But as we preached, I think it was last week or the week before, God can use that. And at the beginning of Saul's reign, God actually used his humility. He used the fact that he knew he was from Benjamin. He was well aware of what had happened to the tribe. He knew he was from the smallest tribe. He knew he was from the least family. He knew that they, he didn't belong there. Yeah. And God used that at the beginning of his reign. But then it got to him. Yeah. <laughs> now watch. Samuel tells him, you're the most popular man in Israel. And Saul become king. And we'll go into maybe some details of that later. But, but here in 1 Samuel 10, 17, And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah. And he said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of all kingdoms and them that oppressed you. This just really struck me. I listened to the sermon that Brother Branham preached, The Rejected King. If you go back and listen to that sermon, he deals with this. Look what he says. He calls them together. He says, And ye have this day rejected your God. Who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And you have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Yeah. Oh my. He said, Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. And when he caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken. And Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. He... <laughs> Saul knew he wasn't up for the job. Yeah. But God wanted to use him for a while. Yeah. Now I want you to hear me. He knew he wasn't up for the job, but God did want to use him with that state of mind. Yeah. But when he thought he could do it, God couldn't use him no more. I know on a Wednesday night, a large portion of us are workers in the church in some way or another. Remember that. When you think you can't do it, that's when God can use you. When you think you can, that's when he can't use you anymore. He doesn't need your strength. Are you hearing me? Go listen to Perfect Strength by Perfect Weakness. He doesn't need your strength. He needs the vacancy created by your weakness. Are you hearing me tonight? Amen. He doesn't need my ability to speak if I have any. My ability to, to work with people and deal with people. That's not what he was looking for when he called me. He's looking for an opportunity to come into a weak vessel and then use what he wants to use in the way he wants to use it. Right. Yeah. He's not looking for my strengths. That's right. 
Right? He wasn't looking for Saul to be a great big man. He wasn't looking for him. He wanted this man who hid behind the bales of cotton and the bushels of food. That's who he wanted. Now look. And so he, when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. This wasn't false humility. He really felt like this. Yes, right. And they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen? There is none like him among all the people. Wait a minute. He just said that you rejected God. But God chose him. And the people shouted and said, God saved the king. Brother Brandon said they chose themselves a man named Saul who was the son of Kish. He was a reputable man and an honorable man. But he suited the people just right because he was a great, tall, noble stature of a man. The scripture said he was head and shoulders above any man in Israel. He was kingly looking and he was handsome in the face. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> don't worry, none of y'all have to worry about that. Well, maybe some of you. <laughs> My wife has to worry about that. I better be careful here. I'm not being handsome, being beautiful. Just been a a problem for her all her life. She's just been beautiful. I know what I'm doing. He was kingly looking. Right? It's okay to relax in church a little bit. He was kingly looking. He was handsome in the face. He was brilliant. I don't have to worry about that either. An extraordinary man. You look at some of these people who get high office and stuff, and we think, well, they're, well these men are usually extraordinary because you and I probably wouldn't even make a campaign because that's hard. Some of what they do is incredibly difficult. I look at men like Elon Musk, and if I'm even saying his name right, and some of these multi-billionaires. These men are smart men, intelligent, genius of, of men. But yet here they're, uh, these men maybe would be unable to even do anything in the house of God. Are you with me? May not be gifted to do anything, but geniuses of men. That don't mean they're called to preach. Don't mean they're called to lead God's people. He was kingly looking. He was handsome in the face. He was brilliant and an extraordinary man. He said, now that's the kind of man that the people like to choose today. The people does not seem to be satisfied with the way that God placed his church to be governed and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Oh, I hope we can hear it tonight. They want somebody to do their religion for them. Sure. Yeah. And I look at what's happening in the message right now. Huh. And look all around as you see people that want somebody to do their religion for them. I'm not being critical. It's all around us. Yeah. And it's us sometimes. Sure. Let's just be honest. We want somebody. Sometimes we look and say, well, if we could just get the right man. But the Holy Ghost is the leader of the church. That's right. They want somebody, some man, some denomination. And can't they see that's Catholicism? Yeah. Joe, can't they see that? When somebody's telling you when to pray? Yeah. What time to listen to what tape? Yeah. Sure. How is that different from a priest telling you when to say your rosary? Yeah. Sure. It's not any different. Yeah. That's right. 
But that's what brought a pope on the scene. Because the people looked around and used the same argument that they use against preachers today. Well, it's just a mess. We better get somebody. Some man. Some denomination. And they'll tell us what to put in our Sunday school and what to do with our, what to do with our kids and what, what, to, what, what tape to play and what. Excuse me tonight. I, I just, it just struck me. Are you with me now? Why would you relinquish that? If you want to play tapes in your church, play tapes in your church. Why would you give up that to somebody else? Yeah. I believe God called men to stand in the pulpit. Yeah. If you believe that all, all you can do is play tapes in church, that's, that's up to you. Every church is sovereign in itself. But why would you let some man from somewhere else tell you what time to have church? Yeah. I'm saying that for a reason because, uh, we, you know, I've tried to be in a, in a way that I could be gentle with people and not... And not to come out, you know, you know, don't destroy the person. Right? It's, the, it's the doctrine that's wrong. But it's people that want somebody. Because it's easy. And it's hard to be part of a church. Because you might do something that would affect the church. Right? I appreciate some of you. I, brother come to me the other night and said, I want to just see if you thought this was okay to do. It's just something he was doing personally. But, you know, everything we do, and you don't have to ask me about things that you do, but, but it was, I thought it was nice because I thought he, he knew this, you know, this might affect the church. It might affect the way the church is viewed. Right? Everything we do, it matters when you're in a church. Boy, I'm going to get myself in trouble. They want somebody to do their religion for them. Somebody will tell them just how to do it. Yeah. And all about it. Yeah. Huh. Oh my. He said they want somebody, some man, some denomination, some certain people to govern the church that they're not able to throw themselves completely into God's hands, to be spiritual, to be led by the Holy Spirit. Yes. They want somebody to do their religion for them, somebody that will tell them just how to do it and all about it. And we can take that on the other side too and say, well, my pastor, my pastor will tell me what to do and when to pray. No, he won't. I'll tell you when to pray every day. Read your Bible every day. When should I do it? Every chance you get. Brother Ben, when should I listen to a tape? Whenever you have time. You should make time. Right? But, 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 but I'm not going to tell you what to listen to because the Holy Spirit may have something for you unless God would speak to me. You understand? And tell me to tell you something. That's why i got to stay under the fountain, and the church has to stay under the fountain. But I'm not the leader of this church. The Holy Ghost is. Yeah. Right? I'm the, I'm the figurehead. If we could put it like that. I'm the figurehead. God puts the pastor in the church as the man to stand there and, and, and tell the people what the Holy Ghost says. And if I quit telling you what the Holy Ghost says, then somebody else will stand here and do it. Yeah. Sure. Right? Yeah. But it's not somebody telling us what to do. Nope. No controlling pastors that tell us what we can do and what we can say and what we can preach here or how much we can shout or not shout. Are you with me now? Sure. <laughs> let's let God rule. Yes, sir. <laughs> let's let God, let's let the freedom be there. Yeah. So that if, if there was a shout that it would come from you naturally, that there would be something that would raise up inside of you, you couldn't help but shout. Yeah. That we would have the liberty to be able to do that. God sent us a messenger in this age. I don't need a second messenger. Right. I don't need another church order. I already got one. Yeah. Right? I don't
don't need another invisible union. I've already got one. Yeah. The bride has the mind of Christ. Yeah. And she knows what he wants done oh, with the word. Yes, Amen. Amen. So a man can stand up here. I watched Brother Matthew stand up here Saturday night and Sunday morning. And, and several things that he said went right to things that I've been preaching on. And look at the, the seamlessness of that and how that it moves right along and helps the people. I don't have to tell him what to preach. I don't tell him a thing about what goes on in this church. But he can come and preach regardless of that and come and preach the word of God to you and it'll bless you and it'll be just like we talked back there about what he was going to preach. I don't tell him what to preach. I don't tell anybody. I don't even tell Joel what to preach. Maybe I should. (laughs) Sorry, I appreciate Brother Joel. I pick on him a lot. I got to have somebody to pick on. Won't get their feelings hurt. That's what Saul was. He was going to be the guy who told him what to do. The problem is he was wrong a lot. Yeah. Huh. That's the problem. Huh. But the Brown said, so this man seemed to suit the place exactly because he was a very intellectual man. It's a whole lot like today. We like to choose such people to, con- to, to control our churches, to control the church of God. Give me a spiritual man who can't hardly speak over an intellectual man. Yes, Yes, sir. Are you with me now? Yeah. I want a man that can speak. I'd like for a man that I'd be able to understand his language, but give me a spiritual man first. Yeah. Yes, I've told these young men, I know I've told Joel, you know, when you come out to preach, make sure you prayed. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Make sure you've gotten down before God. I can tell you how to draw up notes. I can show you how to do that. I can show you how to, how to outline a sermon, but I can't, I can't pray for you. Right. Yeah. You've got to do your own praying. I pray God would help you, but you got to pray and get under that atmosphere so that the Holy Spirit can speak. You got to get the burden of the people and the burden of the word on your heart. Oh my, I got myself in trouble tonight. Brother Brandon said it's a whole lot like today. We like to choose such people to control our churches, to control the church of God. He said, nothing that I have to say against it, listen to this, but just merely to make a point, it is not, it was not, it will never be the will of God. For such to be. It didn't change. It is not. It was not. It will never be the will of God for such to be. God is to rule his people. To govern each individual. It's all come to a crisis in his reign. I don't even know how long I've been preaching. I'll be done in just a moment. He failed in the first real crisis of his reign. The men of Israel reached a point where the, you know, Jonathan went up and slew a thousand Philistines, I think it was, or two thousand. And the Philistines had just kind of let the Israelites live there. But they could just come over and slaughter them anytime they wanted to. You remember the story of Shamgar, how they just come in every year and took what they wanted. Right? That's the way they acted. So Jonathan, Saul's son, goes up and, and kills some Philistines, and the Philistines get mad. And of course, Saul comes back. If you read the scripture, Saul takes credit for it. Saul has slain the Philistines. It was actually Jonathan that did it. You begin to see his character a little bit. And now it says the men of Israel saw they were in a strait. And this is always how it happens, by the way. This is how people end up in denominationalism. This is how they end up in false doctrine. Is they begin to see the enemy coming. They begin to be distressed. And they begin to look for a way out. He said the men of Israel saw they were in a strait for the people were distressed and the people did hide themselves in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in high places, and in pits. They were just doing what they'd always done, 
Remember back through the judges, through the time of the judges, every time the Philistines would come against them, every time they disbelieved God and failed God, here they go back into the caves, hide out. That's what they did. That's what their daddies did, their grandpas did. They were cowards. They went and ran. Oh, but God's called soldiers today. How many believe that? He's called soldiers in the house of God who will stand up and take a sword and defeat the enemy. Some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal. And all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. Samuel told him, Saul, I'm going to wait. You wait seven days. At the end of that, I'm coming. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Seven church ages. I'm coming. I'm coming, Saul. You wait. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't switch. Don't change how you have church. Don't put businessmen in the pulpit. Keep preaching the Holy Ghost. Keep doing what God's called you to do. Are you with me? But he waited seven days. And Samuel didn't show up. Watch this. It's important. The people were scattered from him. So he says, I've got to do something to get the people's interest. I've got to catch their attention. Somehow. How am I going to do it? It's a terrible mistake. Watch. Somewhere in there. You know, the genes that you have express themselves in the most inopportune times. (laughs) He has these memories. He remembers Israel hiding out in caves. Even if he don't remember it himself, he heard his daddy tell him about it. He heard his grandpa tell him about it. It's passed on through his genes how scared they were when there was only 600 left and the tribe of Benjamin was almost completely wiped out. And, and it goes on to say in that story that there was no king in the land at that time. What a sad epilogue to it. There was no king, and so every man did what was right in his own eyes. And Saul saw that. He said, I better step up. Something clicked inside of him. He said, i got to do something. That's where we get in trouble. Well, the church, you know, the pastor, he, he's not moving fast enough. The churches, we're just not doing fast enough. We better do something. You better watch out. Are you hearing me tonight? I know this is a little heavy for Wednesday night. But y'all just hang with me. Well, he didn't come like we thought he would in 1977. We better do something. So they come up with a thunder's doctrine. Return ministry. Something to come. An eighth day messenger. Yeah, sure. Put it all on a man. Put it all in a pastor. Where the people couldn't worship no more. The people couldn't. Are you with me? Yeah. They come up with something. Saul came up with something because of this memory, because of what had happened in his life, because he, he hadn't fully broken that cycle. Yes. God needed him for a time, but he couldn't even fill out that time because this gene, whatever it was, began to express in his life. He began to fear, began to be afraid. He didn't have any self, enough self-confidence to believe that, that he could do what God called him to do. So he stepped into an office that didn't belong to him. And so Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered 
the burnt offering. He was supposed to wait. Did it himself. And it came to pass as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. Wonder if the prophet already knew what time. Wonder if he was late on purpose. Oh my, just to see what Saul would do. Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw. Listen, this is why I did it. Three reasons he gives him. He said, I saw the people were scattered from me. And you didn't come in the days appointed. And the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Do you realize we, there's a reason why we have denominations? Yeah. Because some man or group of men saw that the people were scattered. And Christ didn't come like they thought he would. And the enemy was coming. Yes. So they said, let's hold on to what we have. Very good. Yeah. Let's change the way we have church. I'll be done in a minute. And so Saul says, Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal. And I have not made supplication to the Lord. Saul is real good at being religious. He said, I forced myself, therefore. I didn't want to, Samuel, but I just forced myself. It was just the only thing to do. The preachers just messed up. It forced us to do it. Yeah. We, we wouldn't have done it, but the preachers, man, they all, none of them showed up on time. Yeah. All right. huh. And he, all, he said, I forced myself and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But remember, David wasn't anointed yet at this time. It's because of this that Samuel goes and anoints David. <laughs> he said, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Why would Saul make this rash decision? He was a Benjamite. Benjamin had been nearly destroyed. By taking action to prevent what he feared the most, he caused his own downfall. Brother Branham says this. I'm going to read these quotes. Musicians can go ahead and come. I'm going to read just a minute and then we'll close. The Bible tells us this. He said, if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. If there's no fear. Right? If there's no fear in our heart. What we are afraid of is what happens to us most of the time. If you carry those genes of fear down through time and, and time and time and time like that, what happens is you actually, what you fear the most actually is what gets you. It's funny how that you can, you can stand there and you can say, I will not be like my father. I will not be like my father. I will not be like my family. I will not be like my family. Guess what you're going to do? The more you think about it, the more you become like that. Right? Because you can't break it on your own. <laughs> Brother Branham said, listen just a minute. If our heart condemns us not, but if there's something in your life that condemns you, you better make that thing right. He said, you just can't operate right. The Holy Spirit can't deal with you when you've got prejudice and selfishness and all those things in you. The Holy Spirit can never bless you. You might get some intellectual emotions, some work up. He said, but let me just explain something to you. He said, for instance, when a woman gets married, she's afraid she's not going to have a baby. She won't have it. He said, but let her go and adopt a baby. She'll have one. 
He said, now the books claim that that's 9 out of 10 will do that. Why? It sets her body into the right emotion. Why? She's not worried about having a baby anymore. Now she can have one. He said, now you see, ask your doctor if that's not right. He said, it puts her in the right attitude. Job said, the things that I feared worse has come upon me. He said, see, he said, you want to be above everything when there's no condemnation or nothing to you. He said, you got to live like real Christians. So, and what happens is, then you know something's in your past, and then you see yourself living like that. You say, well, that's what I'm going to be. Don't live that way. You don't have to. You don't have to have that temper. You don't have to be controlling. Are you with me now? You don't have to carry that on. Just because mama was that way don't mean I have to be. Just because daddy was an overthinker doesn't mean I have to be. I can be what the word says I can be. You've got to live like real Christians. Live in the presence of God. How many want to do that? Listen, that's why David was a man after God's own heart. His desire was, Lord, though he made mistakes, he made horrible mistakes. But his desire was, Lord, I want to live in your house. I want to live in your house. I want to dwell in the secret of the Most High. I want to live under the presence of God. Is that your desire, church? I want to live there. He said, live in the presence of God. Live daily, hourly, momently. Say nothing. Do nothing. Go nowhere. What does that mean? Say nothing that would take you away from the presence of God. Do nothing that would take you away from the presence of God. Go nowhere that the presence of God wouldn't go with you. Would you bow your heads with me as they play something? He said, let it be Christ. Christ Christ-like. Everything you do. All your actions. I believe you've had the new birth. I believe that's why you're here tonight on a Wednesday night or you're listening. But there's still got to be something in you. Because if you want to have faith to be able to overcome the world that you live in, you have to be able to see your own life and have, and, and have confidence in that, that God has redeemed you. Living in a way that you shouldn't be living. I don't, maybe just a temper. Maybe just something you carried on. You just excuse that because it was your parents or your grandparents. Well, I just do it. It's just me, it's just us. Depression plagues you. you Well, it just runs in my family. You don't have to. Brother Branham was plagued by depression. He had it every seven years. But he kept believing for his healing. He kept believing right up till till he died. He kept believing. He kept fighting that thing. And he was able to preach for all those years. And to function in society and say, how was he able to do it? Because he suffered with depression to an extreme extent. How was he able to overcome that? By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of his testimony. That's what you overcome by. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. Don't don't act in a way that would affect what you can say about your own life. Don't think in a way that would affect what you can say about your own life. Don't live in a way that can affect what you say about your own life. But come to a place where you can say, you'll have to believe in the blood to do that. Because you'll make mistakes. But come to a place where you can say, Lord, I know I'm a forgiven man. Lord, I know though I have these things in my family, in my past, and though I may have done some of these things and made these mistakes, but Lord, I'm a forgiven man. I'm a forgiven woman. I will not be what my family was. I will not carry my father's broken genes on down to another generation. I will not pass 
the torch of brokenness to another family in another house. It stops here. Let it be Christ-like everything you do. All your actions. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for what we have that Saul couldn't have. Lord, because by your death on the cross, you, you provided a way when the blood cell was broken that the Spirit could come back, Lord, on the believer, and so change their life that they wouldn't be the same anymore. Lord, I pray that it would be so in each and every one of our lives. May we be so changed, Lord. So changed that there would be joy in our life again. So changed that there would be, there would be peace again. So changed, Lord, that there would be a, a manifestation of not the fruits of the flesh, but the fruits of the Spirit. I pray that you grant it. Lord, if maybe ours was a family that was hard, may the softness of the Holy Spirit come down and melt down that hardness. Lord, if ours was a family maybe that held grudges, may the forgiveness of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit of the one who cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. May that same Spirit reach down in, into our heart. May we forgive one another. Lord, if there's something in our life that would make us so scared and react as we didn't even get to it tonight, but Saul reacted in such a way that he actually overcompensated for the weakness that he felt in himself. Lord, we pray. We know we're weak. But Lord, we're not going to overcompensate by becoming something that we're not. But we're going to stand here and agree with you that you have some reason, some purpose in our life. Some reason why you allowed us to come this way. And so we're going to believe, Lord, that you'll do a work in us and through us, Lord, to be your bride at the end time, to be the final voice to the final age. We thank you for that. Thank you for these people, Lord, that have listened patiently to a, a long sermon on a Wednesday night. May they be blessed abundantly. God, give them what they have need of tonight. Thank you for helping me tonight. Thank you for helping them. I pray, Lord, Lord, that when we stand there on that day, we would know, Lord, that every, every fault, Lord, we said last week that all our faults would be wiped away. We'd stand without fault before the throne of God. We thank you for that privilege today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you just worship him for a few minutes now as... Brother Joel would come and, and finish the service. Amen. Let's just stand and worship him for a few minutes. Let, let the word soak in for just a minute. Oh, he was there.
the time and amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. Can you worship him for just a moment? For it was grace that bought my Sing it out to him with all your hearts now. Oh, I shall. that course again. Sing with all your hearts now. Oh, and I shall for
more time now with all your heart. Oh, yes, I tonight. Amen. Don't forget Easter service on Sunday. Only one service on Sunday. Bring somebody to church with you. If they don't come to church, maybe they'll come on Easter. And you have a good weekend. God bless you. Just before we go, can we sing that? We are heirs of the Father. It's fast. It's got to be G. Amen. Just before we go, let's sing this. Oh, we are heirs of the Father. And we are joined with the Son. For we are people of his kingdom, and we are family, we are one. Yes, we are washed, and we are sanctified, we are cleansed by his blood. For we are born of the Spirit, and we are children. Of the Lord, and we're partakers of His suffering. Oh, we're partakers of His grace, and we shall meet Him to be like Him. Oh, we shall see Him face to face. Yes, we are heirs. You're free to go in the name of the Lord.